Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I have a friend of mine on the show today, someone that I have admired for a long time. And uh, when I asked him how to introduce him besides the fact that I could say he's a Duke University graduate, a mechanical engineer turned entrepreneur, and many, many more things of his impressive career life. He asked me to introduce him as an optimist, an inventor, and a world traveler. Born in Boston, but now happy to call Miami his home. Proud daddy of two beautiful twin girls, Melissa and Sabrina, and also a happily married man, which is a lot to say. So having said that, hello, Richard Conway, how are you doing? Hey, Leticia. It's good to be here. I'm so happy you said yes to come on the show. How could I not? You inspire me every day. So if anything I can do to help, I'm happy. Well, you know, I as we were talking before, and people that have heard this podcast uh, might be familiar with, I try to get people on the show that not only have touched my life, but that I know and I'm positive have the capacity to inspire other people. And uh, your journey, uh, to me, is impressive. We met a long, long time ago, <laughs> probably over 20 years ago by now, as yeah. friends. And then I want to give this little piece before we get into, you know, the essence of who you are, but the little piece of information. I met you as a friend, but I knew that professionally you were some, you know, one in a million. So I said, I'm going to do something with this guy at some point. I don't know what it's going to be, but I will do something. And the day my company decided to develop a software from scratch, you were the guy I called. And that was my friend 13 years ago. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. So I want to share with people uh, why I think you're amazing. And I want to start with your journey to becoming the man you are today. Tell me a oh, little man. bit about your childhood, who you were, what you like to dream about, what were you passionate about? Wow, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, I have uh, two brothers and two sisters, and we had innumerable pets. I mean, we had ducks we had guinea pigs we had dogs and cats and wow. at some point at some point we even ended up uh moving to the country and had some horses and ponies so it, it was uh, interesting uh it was an interesting up uh, who, who was the pet lover in your family would you say it has to be your mom or your dad i would guess no no i mean we all love animals um it there's some th sort of connection you have i guess and you either gravitate towards them or you don't. Um, but you know that being said, it was not it was not just like oh we have animals. We had to take care of all of them too. And I got to say, mucking a horse stall uh, in December at six in the morning in the dark <laughs> is not a lot of fun. But it had to be done, right? 
so that's part of that was a maybe a formative uh, experience of one way. Well, one uh, of your best qualities is you're a hands-on guy. That I can definitely see where that's coming from. Yeah, not afraid to dig. That's one thing my dad taught us is you know get your hands dirty and don't be afraid of hard work. Um, he uh, he's an interesting guy because he was dirt poor as a kid. Um, literally had to hitch rides to go to church and stuff, had to heat up water on the stove. Uh, his mom was a, was a single mother and, uh, but she was a teacher and he ended up, you know, become, going to the top of everything. He became, went to Harvard on a scholarship, became a top orthopedic surgeon. I mean, there's no way I can compete with him, no. but, but he inspired us to, you know, work hard and do the best we can. And also gave us an appreciation for knowledge and you know, exploration and open thinking. I think those are all good things and hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So besides having the pets, what do you fill your days with? What were you passionate about growing up? Uh, so, well, when I wasn't running around in the woods building forts and having adventures, uh, I became a bookaholic. Uh, at a pretty young age, um, I once I was in the library and started finding books like Edgar Rice Burroughs and then uh, Isaac Asimov and Robert Heinlein. I became a real science fiction geek as a kid and uh, wanted to be an astronaut at some point. And wanted to fly rocket ships and all that. So that was I was a big focus of mine when I was a kid. But then nothing was happening in the space industry until now, and now it's really exciting again. I mean, if you look at what's going on with SpaceX and uh, Blue Origin commercial. The commercial industry is is relaunching space, uh, and it's becoming an exciting place again. Yeah. Well, who knows? You're still young. Still young. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I know what I know how you related these two. So you you start growing up, and you you you're a very curious kid. You love to read, which you still do, and you start exploring, and you dreamt about maybe being an astronaut, and 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 so. You what? What's next? How did you transition into what you're doing now? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> you know, uh, for a long time, uh, I did want to be an astronaut or something, or go into the space program or something. And then uh, in high school, my vision started to go, and I became nearsighted. Mm -hmm. uh, and back then, I equated that with, well, I cannot be. First thing I have to do is become a fighter pilot because that's what they do, and then they become astronauts. And so I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But I was still uh, into technology, so I started pursuing, I went decided to pursue a degree in mechanical engineering, and then that's what brought me to Duke, which was an amazing experience, by the way. I just can't I say enough. It. What a great school. I um, believe it. And the people you meet and the, the experiences you have were just fantastic. So um, when I left uh, Duke, my first job was working for the Air Force in a program called the Air Transport Testing Agency. Okay. And uh, I'd already had a bit of the travel bug. So when I was in college, uh, my roommate had studied abroad, and I joined him in France, and then we basically did the Eurail Pass thing for nine weeks all over Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and that was amazing. And so after that point, I totally had the travel bug. And you went to very, very um, interesting places. Yeah, well, that's actually late. The, the really interesting stuff comes later. So, anyhow, the, the the reason I mention that is because then I get I start working for the Air Force 
and it was amazing also uh you know it's one of those things where you're like oh you know it's a you're working for the government you know how interesting can it be but i gotta say it was it was like the perfect job for me because a i got to deal with technology uh the air the uh we we got to deal with all the major branches and any type of anything they had to buy that was going to be air transportable, they would come through our office and we would do an analysis to make sure we could put it on planes and stuff, including uh, t- Titan IV rockets. We, we actually did a test load where I flew to uh, Colorado and we loaded up these Titan IV, a Titan IV rocket onto a C-5 Galaxy, which is our biggest plane, and flew it to Cape Canaveral. I got to meet astronauts. It was cool. So you were getting uh, close to your dream already. In some ways, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And I got to tra- and I got to do travel mm-hmm. and I got to do interesting things. So and the other guy, a lot of the guys in the office were older and lots of great experience and interesting people, but they were like I'm I'm done traveling. So anytime travel came up, guess who would raise his hand and jump up and down and say I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> and I got to do amazing trips. I went to Turkey and uh, Germany and Turkey on one trip. I went to China uh, a long time ago, back right before the Tiananmen Square massacre, I was in China uh, with a with a government program there, and just you know, it just fed my and passion and enjoyment of travel. So, and then that led to at some point after I'd been there about six years, and uh, things, the Gulf first Gulf War was over, and they're starting to do cutbacks, and they're. They're offering people early outs, you know, they're trying to have uh, people retire early. And they tried to push me into this uh, promotion to the C-17 program office, which is a new, the new cargo plane. And it's considered a, a promotion to go there. But I didn't like the manager. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, I think I'm just going to take an early out. And everyone was like, what are you thinking? You're insane. Yeah. But at the same point, it was one of those things where I'd been talking to my my one of my my freshman college roommate for years about let's do a world tour, let's travel around the world, let's go see everything, and so that's what we did. When I was twenty eight, quit my job and ended up traveling for a little over nine months, backpacking all over Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. And you know, you can't replace that. That is stuff that you'll, I'll have forever. Amazing memories. Is a it was a different time back then. You know, uh, didn't have internet, so communications were tough. Uh, but wow. no, it's, it's definitely, and, and this is a great point for the purpose of what we are discussing here in Back to Basics is a lot of people, and I've said this before, they, you know, in talking about what we like to do and say, oh, it's either I'm old or I have such a good job, I cannot leave it. And, and people think that when you hear stories like yours is, oh, you did that because you didn't have anything else to do or you didn't have a good job. No, you're, you're saying you had a great job with the government. I had a fantastic job. It was, it was super stable. I was, uh, fa- I was on a fast track. I mean, I was a GS-12 at 28 years old. I would visit, uh, I would go on what they call TDYs or you know, business trips to other bases. And I would basically be almost the same rank as the base commander. As a from a civilian standpoint, yeah, uh, because it's sort of like when you go to the Pentagon. There's every you can't move you can't move your elbows without hitting a general. Everyone's everyone gets uh, pushed up. So in some sense, yes, yeah, because I was working at Wright Pat, everyone has uh, higher grades than they would normally. But you end up doing interesting things. I was meeting with contractors from McDonnell Douglas, and and I would sit with their senior engineers because I was the expert on air transport stuff, and I was young. But 
we just immersed ourselves in it, you know, and and it, and it was inter- it was very. I got to say, it was a great experience working for the Air Force. Uh, a lot of great people there, and um, I think it was uh, that was an opening as well because I see I have I know people talk down about government workers, but I got to say, there's a lot of great people working for us in the military and other government agencies. Yeah, no, and 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 that's a great point. That's a great point, and and I think it's important that we definitely honor anybody serving, you know, in public service. Yeah. It, it's it's quite important. But you know that the thing that catches me the most is like you saying, "Well, I didn't like the manager too much," and so it sounded to me like almost you also wanted to keep traveling, but also on your own terms, like. Probably, yeah. you know, the, the traveling with the with the Air Force was good, but also probably you didn't control too much about where you were going and what you were doing. Well, sure, it was limited. You have to choose, you know, when opportunities came up, you would take it. And the thing with the job was, yeah, it was a good job. And I, and I think it was in many ways uh, very stimulating and everything. But there was a point at which I said, look, it, this is not really what I want to do. I know I want to do something else. And I feel like I'm getting pigeonholed a little bit. I mean, even though it was a good thing, I think there's more. There's other things I want to do. And it was not. It turned out not to be career suicide. It turned out to be a very interesting stop along the way. Because when I came back, I said, "Okay, I'm back. I just spent a year. Uh, what am I going to do now?" So I said, "Well, let's let's go get an MBA, and then I'll, you know, go into business of some sort." And while I was doing that, I said, well, I got to work. I just missed the uh, application deadline, so I'll have to wait till uh, next year to go. So I started, well, while I'm writing my essays and doing the GMAT, let me look for a job. And next thing you know, I landed a a great job, regional uh, operations engineering manager for Roadway Global Air. And that was a spinoff of Roadway Trucking. They created an air freight business hmm. and all and like all of a sudden uh, here I am I'm like I'm doing operations management and, and performance management for basically the western U.S. and Canada and I'm like well I guess I don't really need to go to get go to get an MBA at this point I'm already up up the ladder and doing interesting more once again I'm doing interesting things I'm still traveling uh, and I feel like I, I felt like I was having an effect on the business you know the choices I made would affect how efficient we did our, our work and that led to the next thing and I, you know sometimes uh, I feel like I'm not as I don't take control as much as take advantage of opportunities as they arise I love that I love that and I think that that makes you quite unique and uh, because I've known you for a while now and uh, you don't get to meet so many people that said you know what I had this idea and this is also what you and I bonded uh over, I think, that we have ideas, but we like to pursue those ideas and we like to see them through. Mm -hmm. And while you have many conversations with many people that have great ideas, you see very few that a few months later bring you a physical, uh, you know, mock or the physical product or or, or the the, the thing they built uh, after telling you the idea. And you're one of those people. You, and I don't want to jump ahead, but it's still important. You were talking about building a greenhouse for a few years. 
Oh, yeah. And I know because I heard and I saw people's faces when you were talking about this. And we live in Miami. And people say, well, he's going to buy some land and then buy, build a house. And he's going to be green. And you could just tell people, like, mm, this guy is crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure I did sound a little bit a little bit crazy about it because once you get into it, hey, hey I am I am a, an engineer. I mean, I study engineering, although I, I almost, to be honest, almost any other school I'd been to, I... I was going to be an English major. Mm-hmm. My English major in, in high school was shocked when I told him I was going to study engineering. Wow. You're I a, love, a great I, writer. You're a I writer. love, I mean, seriously, I loved English class. I loved reading Shakespeare. I loved all that. But I said, when it came down to it, part of me wanted to build spaceships and part of me wanted to, you know, have that uh, literature. But I said, well, I can read on the side and it'll be much easier to study engineering in school and read on the side. Yeah. But, but yeah, so it is good to make things happen. I mean, that's where you feel fulfillment is when you when you push something through that you really want to have happen and make it and end up with it. And the house thing, man, what a that was interesting. Um, I imagine, because I imagine tr- because I saw it. <laughs> well, we had some, you know, we had some economic issues. We had the the big um, was it in two thousand seven when the economy sort of imploded. So we. My wife, Patricia, and I had been planning to build this house. And as we got into it, we got more and more excited about the possibilities of making it eco-friendly. And since I'm not afraid of technology, I dug in and was like, oh, yeah, we could do this insulation. And we can we could do these low E coatings on the windows to keep the heat out because this is Miami. We don't, you know, some if you're in the north, you may want to uh, let some heat in from the windows. But down here, basically, everything you want to do is keep the heat out. Uh, and... So I started digging into all the different options, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was very interesting. And when you get passionate about something, you don't mind spending the time on it. That's a great point, because just to make it clear, you had never built a house in your oh, no. life. You, are, you oh. weren't a general contractor, because also people say, oh, well, yeah, he builds houses. No, I want everybody to know that this guy does not build houses. And if you see the house he built, if, I mean, it's amazing, amazing, not only for, you know, the ecological aspect to it, but it's just a beautiful house and you made it happen. You made well, thank it, you. you visualize it. I think the importance of visualizing what we want. Yeah, it's and it's worth taking chances on those things. Those were the I mean, it was a, it was a lot of work and we had issues like, uh, as I said, the first economic downturn. We had been waiting for permits for for a year and. All of a sudden, our mortgage company calls up, oh, you haven't broken ground yet. Well, we're canceling your construction loan. You have 30 days to pay us back everything that you've taken out. And I'm, and we're like, okay, well, can we get a, a mortgage on the property that we bought? No. No one would give you a mortgage on empty lot at that point. So, you know, that was time to empty my savings and some of my retirement account to pay off the lot. But in the end, we pursued it. We had to wait five more years for the economy to come back time and it's it is gorgeous i mean it's i gotta say i love the house uh and it's a joy to be in and i don't know how can i ever move because it's it cannot get better (laughs) why would you move you build your dream house and this is this is you are building the life you want and this is in a great place exactly but this is another point it's like and we've been collaborating through work but you because you, your entrepreneurship spirit, you also don't like to be in an office environment uh, day in and day out. 
and you are a great dad and are very much involved both of course your wife and you but for 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 a guy you are extremely more involved than most of the guys i know uh in your kids life and i think that's admirable and this is a choice you make every day because i know you, if you wanted to go and get a full time job traditional job you you know you're such a great uh, executive that it would, it would not be too long, like what happened before that you said, oh, let me do my MBA. And next thing you know, yeah. you already have a job and this will happen, but you choose every day to live the life you want. And you, we've spoken about this, even with us to say, and, and you say, I want my flexibility. I want, I want to be able to be a uh, pick up my kids at school and, and you leave, you know, with them, with, we all have challenges in obviously in, yeah. in our lives and our jobs, but for the most part, you live a great life. And you oh, I have a fantastic life yeah. and it does have trade-offs. I mean, I do as much as I love being on my own at times and having flexibility, it does. Sometimes you're like, okay, I need to get out of the house. And so it's, you know, I, when I was working in a corporate environment, I enjoyed that too. I'm a social guy. And, but now it's like different times of life. When I was at that point, I didn't have uh, a wife and kids. We didn't have a dog. Uh, and it was all about making things happen. And I would work ungodly hours and travel all the time and whatever. And if I was, I would go weeks without coming home because I'd be like, oh, I'm in, I'm in the West Coast this week. So instead of going home to back to the East Coast, I'll, I'll go visit some friends for the weekend and then just hit the next you know, location I have to go to on Monday. Uh, but now, the, I'm only going to have these kids at home for 18 years, and already eight or that. No, they're nine now. It's it goes by fast, and to have that flexibility to say, "Oh, they're sick today. Okay, I can work from home. It's no big deal." That is worth millions, and to spend that extra time with them every day is uh, is it's a fleeting point uh, in their life. And I get I have to say I'm selfish. It's it's a selfish thing to hmm. spend be able to spend that time with them. And it's, but it is rewarding as well. But it's it's so interesting that you would define that as selfish because when I'm trying to to zoom into what you're saying is you live the life you want. You're one of the very few people that I know. Even in meetings, you say life is good so many times that it's <laughs> contagious. My dad laughs about it. He thought I coined the phrase. Yeah, he, it's saw, your he, phrase. he said he saw these T-shirts. Life is good T-shirts. Hey, he says Richard, that's your. Did you start that company? I said no, no. Someone else said it too. You know. <laughs> but it, no, but it's true. And we're talking about this. And and usually when I do the interview, I'm looking for possible titles of what something. And you're right. These interviews. It's called Life is Life Good, is of good. course. It just came to me. And that optimism is contagious. But, you know, sometimes I feel that, the, and, and I include myself because I, I'm a business owner and I'm very ambitious when it comes to businesses. When are we selfish truly? When we pursue the, you know, success in our career for our own ego and say where we arrived or what we have achieved or where we give the time to our kids and spend more. Like, you just say I'm yeah. selfish because I like to spend time with my kids and they're going to leave. And, and that's why I'm taking this path. Well, it's a balance. I mean, I one thing I'm definitely conscious of is I think there, it's important to strive for a work-life balance. And each will help you with the other. And um, if you only pursue business success... And that's and that's what you really enjoy, you know. That's great, and pursue it. Uh, but I find that there is so much joy you get from through your experiences with your kids, 
and with you know, and just other things in life, like going for a run uh, by the water. Like this morning, after I dropped the kids at school, took the took uh, Sandy, our dog, down by the waterfront in Coconut Grove, and it's a beautiful morning. Yeah, and it's gorgeous today. Yeah, and yeah, it, there's floating. a marina there. And, the, and this local, there's a little crocodile that lives in the area. He was out sunning himself, and you get to see him. I saw him for the first time this past, this year. Apparently, he's been there for a while, but he was out sunning himself today. So he's like, he's like six or eight feet long, and he's on one of the docks sunning himself. But his little experiences like that, that brighten your day. And then when I get, when I sit down, I'm like, okay, I had, I just went three miles. I'm relaxed. I'm not, you know, I'm not tense, and I can focus on what I'm going to do. And that's so there's benefits of getting some exercise and then doing some work. And then at lunch, I'll go take the dog out for, for another walk, which is another luxury to be able to do that. Yeah. But it also, I get move around a bit. And then when I sit down again after that, once again, I'm not like, I'm not antsy and I can focus on what I'm doing. So they're benefit, they, they support each other, mutual ben- mutually beneficial. Yeah, and I think because I know how you operate, and I was just yesterday with a mindful coach, is you live a lot in the present. Like I noticed that you, what you just went through, you say, yeah, I did a run and I was there and I was looking at the crocodile and admiring the view. But then you get home and you're able to like switch and be extremely efficient. So I think there's something to be say about the way we work. I heard yesterday that 70% of the time, although we are somewhere, we're thinking about being somewhere else or we're thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. 70% has been proven on research. We are thinking about something different from what we're actually doing. And that is a challenge that definitely, uh, if, if that, when that does happen, then you're not mindful of what you're doing and your efficiency goes down tremendously. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you've shared with us, you know, the drives, you're definitely an optimist. Can you share, is there any maybe traumatic experience in your life where you feel depleted from that passion, from what gives you drive, and then you have to reconnect to it and you have to say, you know, I have to get my act together. Is there an experience where you can remember how is it that you got, you know, your... Your drive back? Uh, well, I mean, I haven't had, fortunately, I haven't had anything that's truly traumatizing. I mean, um, both my parents have passed away, and that was obviously difficult. Um, but I had time to prepare emotionally because in one case, my father was, he was pretty old, and he had been in decline for a while. Uh, and in the other, my, my mother had had cancer, and then... Uh, rebounded and then went, you know, relapsed. And so we had some time to prepare for what was going to happen. But the the challenge, I think the, the biggest challenge is when you're trying to get something, when you're trying to achieve something and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it can, and it affects, like it can affect lots of your other parts of your life as well. Like you, you know, if you're not exercising then you don't feel as good, and then that affects how well you work, and then also it affects your your attitude. So to some degree, I think I'm at my best when I have time to take time out and do things like go for a run or something, and and clear my mind and clear and get my and take care of my body because when I do that, I have more energy for everything else. Okay. No, it makes sense. It's uh, our hobbies and our things that 
keep us connected to ourselves is so important. And you found a way to design your life to have that on a daily basis or quite frequently. And yeah. I think other people that maybe have uh, different types of job, corporate jobs, um, find it more difficult because you have to be, you're still measured in, in many jobs, you're still measured by being there at the office. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate. Uh, but I think the important thing is even when I was working, I mean, I've done some crazy jobs. Like when I was in college, I did demolition and construction work. And talk about dirty sweaty you know and and it's 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 hard i would i at the end of the but you know when you're young it's easier you know your body can handle it but i could i could not that i smoked but i could put a cigarette in my and the calluses in my palms you know, it, it was so and you'd feel like oh, i'm tough I, nothing could beat you mm-hmm. but you i'd be put i we would put in get up at five drive to the job site on the south shore of massachusetts work a 10 or 10 hour day drive another another hour back and then we'd play basketball in our work boots you know, yeah. have pizza and basket and play basketball it'd be 9 30 or something and the next morning i gotta get up at five again but you know you have to find something at each point in your life that gives you some joy or some happiness and whether it's the, it's whether it's the camaraderie of the people you're with or a good book uh or just getting out and enjoying some good a good wet some good weather you have to focus on those things to keep you positive and once you're positive everything else will follow because you then you then you cannot be defeated so when we run into a problem you know it's like i don't say can you can you say can you do this or not i go no no of course we could do it it's how do we do it the best way is the question and, and, and that's the other thing why it makes you a great business partner and i always joke around in my sales meetings I say our our VP of development never says it cannot be done. Like I go to my meetings and when I ask, does your software does X? And I know it doesn't, but I know you and I know it will if it needs to be. And that's very empowering. And it's just uh, defined by the type of person you, you are. You say, I don't know how to do this. And you didn't know how to build a house. But guess what? You did it. That's so. what they're teaching in the schools now. Is that they uh, they say you don't? I don't know how to do it yet. Yes, uh, and that's how they're presenting. And it's it is that's very powerful. Uh, once you realize that you can figure it out, you can spend make some effort and and come up with a way, uh, learn it, whatever. Wow! When, and once you have a success, it build it it positions you for more. Uh, so you're really not afraid of anything. Yeah. So at this point. You know, we've built, we built together because you were instrumental in how we designed the NAP, but we built a, a, a really great asset management tool for telecom and it's been sold all over the world. I was able to, with my wife, we designed this amazing green house. We pay half the electricity of what most people have for the same size house. Uh, and it just, the environment is lovely because of the light. Uh, you know, we took, we thought about where the windows should be so you have good light but privacy or you know fresh air there's so many different components to it but you you learn all that stuff and it just adds everything builds on itself and it adds to your life it makes it better well, i think it's it's fantastic and everything you said uh, in the in the last few minutes i think should motivate anybody listening to this podcast to just um, go for it, and go and for it. and you say something that is very very important is keep positive. Like you and I know, and, and business has been sometimes good, sometimes not that good. But 
we always say, let's keep at it. Let's keep doing bit by bit. Don't surrender. And, and you just keep that energy, that positive energy around, and things will start to happen. So I always close, Richard, the interview, knowing what makes you tick. Asking, actually, what makes you tick. And you've said a few things. Everybody does by this time. But it's funny because you then ask the question and and. Some of people bring something completely that we haven't discussed. Is there anything that makes you tick? Well. <laughs> In particular that you haven't shared so far. You mean aside from that self-winding watch I swallowed as a child? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think in trying to find enjoyment in everyday things, uh, the camaraderie of good friends, I don't think anything really is better than spending time with good friends, humor in life, and challenges. You have to have stuff to challenge and curiosity. So, it's a, those if you mix those up into a little, a little suit or broth or something. I don't know that, that those are the those are the components that will really I think make life uh, make makes me enjoy life and uh, keeps me moving. And I I may add and make you a joy to be around because I value uh, your you. friendship. You are really someone um, that has such a caliber both professionally and uh, personally. And uh, one of my mottos became later in my career, I have to work with people I enjoy working with. Uh, and, that's that's important. Yes, and I think we spend a lot of time making customers that don't deserve it happy, <laughs> partners <laughs> that don't deserve it happy, and then you start wondering why am I working with these people? You know, and yeah. they, they, because this energy they bring into your life affects you. Affects that's true. you go into a meeting with someone that's negative that's ironic and, and just the attitude as you said before that was so important and you yourself leave that meeting drained right yeah it's, it's not additive it's it's it cancels out positive energy exactly so, but, exactly i had a teacher in the past she used to say those were the vampires they would yeah. suck any inch of good energy you have for their benefit they would spit you out <laughs> or and you, yeah and you have to eventually you know you can you can deal with it for a while but there is a point at which you have to say okay i'm going to limit how much time i spend with people like that because it does take energy to to deal with it and and i've i've known people that i liked but they were sort of uh, emotional vampires like you would try to you would always be trying to make them happier and you realize that you can't do that. They have to be happy on, unto themselves. And, and you have to teach. I'm trying to teach my kids. Don't be dependent upon others for your happiness. Find ways to make yourself happy. To be comfortable with what you're doing. And, like, and when you can do that, now you can, you can give happiness to everyone else too. Because you're happy. Uh, and it's, I think it's an important thing. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great way to, to live our audience with that message. I thank you so much, Richard, for sharing your thoughts, your life, uh, what makes you take with us today. And I wish you the best of luck. I know you you will be doing some more great things and we'll be seeing uh, some more crazy ideas coming to life, <laughs> which I'm very happy about because uh, you are of the people I know. If I wish success and happiness upon anybody, you definitely on the top of my list, my friend. So thank well, you very you, much. And uh, we'll have a fantastic Florida day. You too. And thanks very much for taking the time to interview me. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
and until the next time.